Hello there, welcome to episode 204 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. My name's Stephen Hill. Hello, I hope you're very well. And if you've been paying attention to our social media channels over the last day or so, you will know that for a little while, it's just going to be me and a myriad of guests. I'll explain more uh, why that is in a little second. But let's talk and introduce who I have on the show this week. Joining me this week from the band Oms from the very very excellent a year in horror podcast which i have been on you should check out it's only paul waller paul mate thanks very much for coming on how you doing i am so happy to be here mr stephen hill this is uh, a long time listener first time guest love mm. it i i'm so so stoked that you invited me for this it's uh it's a little bit of a dream i can tell you so many things and i'll start by saying that and I, I know you always say I'll oh, shut up because uh, I've said this to you before, but you are so important to like people in bands, to, to just obsessives with music. Um, for many, many years now, people have been listening to you and like creating their playlists and whatever. So I just want to say thank you so much for uh, for doing this. I was, In fact, I was just interviewing someone the other day and I mentioned this and they said... Um, who was it? It was Nikki from a band called uh, blah, 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 Jukebox Monkey. It was, and, it, right. and he said, and he said that uh, without Riot Act, they would never listen to any new music in the van. Bloody Imagine hell. that. There Imagine you go. That. that sounds quite good, actually. I mean, that's my idea of a dream: not listening to just listening to Rio over and over again. That sounds like my actual fucking dream. But so, you know. Exactly. But wow, what, what a weird what a, what a weird and flattering and awkward for me start. I haven't asked Paul to do this, by the way. I haven't actually, <laughs> there's no prior chat this happening. Um, but mate, oh, thanks very much. Well, I'm glad you're happy to be on the show. I'm glad people enjoy the show. And um, we will talk about, you know, what you're up to and what's going on in a second. I should just say, on the, on the show this week, we're going to be talking about new music from Norma Jean, from Beyonce, and from Chatpile those three together at last and paul is going to be talking about some of the albums that helped him get into horror music and horror it's uh perfect bedfellows obviously we've spoken about that a bunch of times loads of people have but paul was a bit of a horror expert so we thought why not utilize his love of horror and music together so you pick some fucking bangers as well paul to be fair i had no idea what you would think of it because it is a bit metal when i went over it i was just like oh god Especially, especially the midsection, it's so yeah. metal. Very metal. But, you know, it's horror. It sort of has to be. Um, I should just address the fact that Renfrey isn't here. We have put something up on our social media page. Um, over the last few months, obviously, it's been quite a challenging thing trying to get this show together whilst Renfrey is otherwise engaged with other things in his private life which i don't really feel like i'm qualified to get into and the net result of that has been that he really doesn't have the time to dedicate his time completely to the show in the way that you know you as a listener probably deserve to have you deserve to have a, a good show which is what i'm going to uh, try and deliver for you so you know for the little while for the next few weeks for the next month or whatever i am going to be bringing in people only excellent people like Paul, I hasten to add, but I will be bringing in excellent people to kind of um, jump in and help me out. So uh, bear with us. But as a consequence of that, I should say um, our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash right act podcast, where you can sign up for all of our exclusive content. That is now 
Paywise Frozen. So if you want to sign up, you can basically sign up for nothing. You won't get charged no matter how much you sign up for. If you sign up for the £5 a month classic album tier, you can listen to all of them. You're not going to get charged for it. If you feel like just checking it out, that's fine. We'll see how long we do that for. But at the moment, our Patreon page is going to be completely free in light of what is going on at the moment. Um, Anyway, yes, that's the serious stuff out of the way. I also want to say a big thank you to our friends at the Arctangent Festival who are sponsoring the podcast. That is coming up very, very soon, isn't it? Arctangent.co.uk forward slash tickets. Go into the checkout, put Riot Act ATG into the checkout and you'll get 10% off of your ticket. You should really have bought it by now. Really? But Paul, do you like Arctangent? That's a, a festival you have a history with. Uh, are you going? Are you looking forward to it? What's going on? I'm not going, um, but okay, I good. know bands that are. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but yeah, I know bands that are. Do you know what? I just wanted to not get into festivals just yet. And mm. with Art Tangent, it's got a history of the strangest rain. And I just thought, do you know what? My first festival back, I, I don't want to get that soaked. And I don't think that's going to happen now. I don't think it but- is. I don't know if you've been there before where there's been like the rain that comes along sideways. Yes. Yeah. That was insane. Like, no matter what tent you're in, it didn't matter who's going to get you. Uh, well, so, that's yeah. a, that's a, the because of the because of the music is so weird and angular, it actually <laughs> it. changes the way that the weather uh, falls on you. So it has to fall on you in a kind of post rock math rock sort of way. But I don't think it's going to rain this year. I mean, look out the window. I know you, that, you that in just... fact, you listening, look out the window now. Look how nice it is. It can't. It can't. This is like scorched When you say earth. this year, you mean for the rest of the year. I can't see it happening. I can't. No. I, I mean, <laughs> definitely not in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely not. But yeah, we've gone through the bill every week for a long time. So you probably know, you know, Opeth, Perturbata, I, lots and lots of bands that are really, really good. Tesseract, uh, Cult of Luna. There's loads and loads of things going on at Art Tangent. It should be a right bloody laugh. And we should see you there so anyway um before we get into the albums we're going to talk about paul a couple of other things first of all let's talk about oms um i've listened to your latest single and that's been out a little while now but um it's called the mephesto waltz is that correct that's right yeah yeah that's right and um slightly different sound for you chaps it's yeah it's a slightly different sound uh even on on the album and like we are on Church Road Records and we mm-hmm. gave them a couple of tracks to choose from and they went for that one. We were just not sure because it is so different. It's very poppy. You would even say, well, I say poppy if you think Hives, the Hives is a pop band. It's that yeah. sort of feel. Um, but the rest of the albums, again, different. It's all over the place. We wanted a change after COVID. We'll see how it goes. Who knows? I don't know. Well, I came on your podcast, which we talk about in a little bit. And before we started talking about that, I mean, you did mention one band a little bit who I mentioned, and I mention quite a lot. Is there a big influence that you'd be willing to reveal to people? Well, favorite band of all time is Kiss. I'm sorry to say, my second favorite band of all time, Duran Duran. Here right, he is, without shadow of a doubt, and. The biggest influence on me vocally, although you wouldn't know it from Ohms, is Simon Le Bon. The way that he phrases words, the way that he um, elongates vowels and things like that, just rip him off completely. And the band have actually let me do some of that stuff on the new album, so I'm really excited to to do it. But I don't sound as good as him. And you might say, well, fucking hell, Simon Le Bon's rubbish. 
but you know, I, I get somewhere there. So yeah, I, I love him. I love him. <laughs> that is that is bloody music to my ears. I can't wait to hear a kind of sludge metal Duran Duran. If if that's what you're telling me that we're gonna get, a little bit, a, a little, little bit. bit. I don't. I, hey, that sounds amazing to me, and yeah. <laughs> I would buy that in a heartbeat. Whether I buy this new record, I don't know, but we'll see. Well, mate, but, I I mean, I again, I really, as you know, I really enjoyed your last record a lot i thought it was a massive step up and i really like the new single and if you're channeling simon le bon i think you're gonna this is 2023 album of the year fucking nailed on at the moment as far as i'm concerned but um <laughs> mate anyway and also if you haven't listened to paul's podcast a year in horror which i've actually you know, i've been i've been absolutely rinsing that recently paul absolutely rinsing through it mate. it's great it's a great podcast. If you're a fan of horror films at all, in fact, even if you're not really, I think you go so in depth when you do the kind of full years and you you literally will watch like, you know, 70, 80 yes. films from one singular year and kind of rank them all. And it, it's, it's, it seems like a mammoth undertaking. How long does it take you to put together one of those year in horror um, podcasts? They average about five hours each, once a month. Uh, but the actual, I have a script for it, and I, I, I watch all the films. Every now and again, the real, real bad ones, I'll have to turn off just because I can't handle it anymore. But I'll still get around halfway before I go. Do you know what? This, this is not happening. Um, but yeah, I would say my whole life. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I, I have family. I've got a puppy, um, and. I don't know. I somehow I fit it all in and have a good time. So yeah, I, I don't know. I I love doing it. And I tell you what, for for fans of riot acts, that and also for for music fans like myself, one of the reasons that I'm doing it is just so I can speak to bands. So every sort of mid month now, what mm. I'm doing is I'm interviewing bands. Previously, I've just made a little list here. We've got Video Nasties, Spalbard, Orange Goblin, Mountain Cooler, uh, a sort of dance band called Maps. But coming coming up is where it really starts to kick off. So we've got Napalm Death, we've got Night Demon, we've got Pigs, Pigs, Pigs. And like I couldn't believe it. He just pulled out of Arc Tangent because Gabe died. Um, it's Justin Pearson from The Locust we've got on. Oh, wow. And I thought, do you know what? Fair deals, he's going he's gonna to cancel this interview. And he did. But he said, can you just give me a couple of weeks? I want to mourn my mate. And I was like, dude forget it like it's fine he was like no no i really want to come on and do it and he did it and it's a really interesting interview which i i'm almost hesitant to put it up because he's sort of a broken man it's not like justin as you would know mm. him if you know his interviews previously um and it's caught him at a real strange time in his life obviously and the conversation is about animal rights and it's blimey he just goes in he goes in so yeah, it's really interesting. To listen when that one comes up. Yeah, there's some great. I mean, I've kind of through those ones, I have kind of cherry picked between the bands that I like and the films I like. Um, if you do go on there and you you want to listen to uh, to more of me, I am on the Michael Jackson thriller episode that we did. Not sure how much uh, you were a bit had a few reservations about getting in on Michael Jackson at the time, really, didn't you, Paul? But I thought it was uh, I thought we did all right. It's the most popular non-year one 
Stephen Hill. You, Is it? you have done it. Yeah, yeah. It, people just pick that one out for some reason. They must scroll through and go, do you know what? I'm having a bit of that. Well, uh, so many it? listens every yeah. month. The listen, I get the stats, and it's just like, wow, okay, yeah, fine. Well, Michael Jackson, he's still rather popular, I would suggest, even in his death and you know, all the other things. That anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> we should be interested to see if the forthcoming one I've got. So I've, I'm got, I've going on, um, not that I'm trying to big myself up too much, but I'm coming back on at some point, uh, and we're going to talk about Ghost Watch, the scariest oh. thing ever. Um, <laughs> so I possibly think uh, so yeah that'll be coming out soon uh, do you know when any idea when that one's coming out Paul? I think it's October the 1st October the 1st so it's a little while away yet but yeah I mean if you're not aware of Ghostwatch the, 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 well you listen to a pathetic <laughs> snivelling excuse for a man talking about Ghostwatch um, and, and Paul is there as well so uh, yeah that was, a, that was a good chat Paul did you have any idea that I was going to be such a wreck when, when I sort of not at all yeah, and it's weird <laughs> weird where you're stuck for words as well and there's some so good like I because listeners to Riot Act you two your characters you're like caricatures of of people now like anyone that's known you for years they they would have like a couple of uh, like tiny photos that you know they're available of you on the internet or whatever and they would just picture this and you look like you know like a, a sort of tough guy you know you talk about oh i love, love sick of it all and all that sort of stuff yeah, uh, it's a different side of you talking about ghost watch uh, it really is it really really is scarred me that's that absolutely scarred me but like i say go and find a year in horror in wherever you find your podcasts um and if you're whether you're a fan of horror or not i think it's really really good paul and i have absolutely like this last couple of weeks i've just absolutely rinsed through it so um you Jeez, know my man it's it's good i even nominated you for a heavy music award <laughs> uh, good vote good vote Solid. Yeah. i mean you know uh, I don't know how well that worked out, but anyway, fine. Um, <laughs> just very, very briefly, there's not a lot of news. Or there's a bit of news, but I didn't want to get into it. I just want to get into the the the, the, what, the whatnots. But I thought, you know, would I mention? I think just briefly, we should mention. Well, I'm sad to hear about Olivia Newton-John passing away this week. It's the only bit of news that I wanted to talk about as well. Mm. Um, I was born in Australia, um, and she was omnipresent there. Uh, between like 78 and 83 when I was a kid and she was just everywhere like you would switch on the telly and she would be on adverts and it would be like adverts just promoting Australia what a lovely place to visit Sydney look at all the stars that come from here or whatever and there'd be Olivia Newton-John singing by the Opera House or something and like these are my very earliest memories of a kid uh, as a kid I should say and you know people talk about Greece uh and like the the physical album but if you dig and you do have to really dig there is a lot of cool stuff and i, I want to talk a little bit about the film xanadu i don't know if you've ever seen Xanadu. i've never seen xanadu but it looks absolutely mental it's it's up there with the broken records sort of films that you've talked about and those soundtracks mm. Mm. but it's such a i don't know it's like this it's the queerest thing as well. It's the queerest thing you will ever watch. Uh, it's just, it makes me so so happy. At the end of that, I'll I'll turn it off. And I've only discovered it in the last year, and I've watched it three times so far. It's so 
it makes you feel warm inside. It just, I don't know. And I don't know if it's nostalgia because I've seen her face all the time when I was a kid at this era, but I don't know. I would also recommend Physical, Xanadu and Magic as my favourite three songs of hers. Oh, I mean, Physical's brilliant. It's a yeah. great, just a great bubblegum, high energy pop song. You know what I mean? A kind of great high energy disco. What would that have been? Early 80s? Very, very early 80s, late 70s? No, I think it was like 80 or 81. Uh, the mm. same with Magic and Xanadu. They all mm. come out around the same time. She had a really good run of like five singles on the trot, but then everything else is patchy. I don't know if you've seen like like even the videos. They're hilarious of her recent sort of getting back together with John Travolta. Yeah. Oh, my word. Like that is that is some cringy stuff, and it That's and again for the mostly down to John Travolta though, surely. Well, his spray on hair, like, is something to behold in that video. I, I wish I knew what it was called off the top of my head, but every now and again, the wife will put that on. If I'm down in the dumps, <laughs> and she will just be like, "I'll oh, check this out though," and like, bang, I'm back up. He is phenomenal. A phenomenon. A phenomenon. He is a phenomenon. I mean, yeah, Olivia Newton-John, obviously somewhat outside the remit of what we usually do, but I thought just such a sort of massive... People who are responsible for such massive pop culture moments where you go, well, you almost kind of transcend genre, you almost kind of transcend what people like. You're just, you know, you're just an omnipresent person who everybody is aware of. Everybody would see, you know, that picture of her in the you know the black suit at the end of greece and be like well that is an iconic iconic image from an iconic film and yeah paul's getting a little bit hot under the old collar there. fair enough um but yeah she was um she's sort of really contributed to the 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 wide fabric and tapestry of you know what is popular culture during the kind of the the boom years of of that thing isn't it greece like what's bigger than greece hardly anything really yeah and do you know in like 2016 i think it was everyone was dying um and mm. it was just like wow 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 jesus no oh my god sort of thing it was like that um this i hope does not kick it off but of course it's going to happen again and she's a big one for for people that like I don't know, are into pop music and just like of a certain era, 80s pop music or whatever. She is, she's she's a huge one to go. Uh, so I always think about it now, like how that onslaught just started to happen during that year and like how it sort of ended with Lemmy and then it just sort of everything cooled off a little bit. It's so weird how things fit snugly in that year. Well, it sort of started with Lemmy. Lemmy was actually New Year's Day 2015 going into 2016 and then bowie was a few days later oh, was it bowie at the and end and then it was and then it was prince throughout that year and yeah that was a mad time you know alan rickman i mean god there was loads of people victoria woods i remember at the time being like what the fuck victoria wood roddy corbett I bad cried. year that wasn't it not I a good year prince prince was my cry was it yeah had a little had a little, had a little tear yeah not good anyway um Let's move on. R.I.P. Olivia Newton-John. And um, yeah, I, I, I say it every time we do this, it's going to be more and more of these big ones. And it kind of sucks. Getting old sucks, doesn't it? Basically. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, let's I, talk I'm about not going to argue with that. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about some new music before we go on. I'm going to start with the one that comes out today, if you're listening to this podcast, as it comes out today. It's a new album from Norma Jean, Death Rattle Sing For Me, the ninth studio album from the Metalcore Stalwarts, the follow-up to 2019's All Hail album, which I thought was decent. Although I have to say, Norma Jean, for me, had been in a bit of a sweet spot over the decade prior to... Uh, to that record the two albums that came out before that 2013's wrongdoers and 2016's polar similar are both two of my favorite i'd say top three norma jean albums um paul you a fan of norma jean do you have any kind of relationship with this band at all i've got a big relationship with them but i'm not a fan of them uh the, the christian thing puts me off uh to a huge degree right um and while my friends were into uh, into their like first couple of records in a huge huge way uh, and always like it was always on like I know those songs really well <laughs> I I just was like no it's way too Christian for me I'm not into that sort of thing and there's so many other bands from this scene that are ace that I'm just going to stick with those so I was listening to like Curl Up and Die Botch, Converge, mm. Catharsis, Coalesce all the C bands and then I would also like to go more experimental with blood brothers and dillinger and in the uk we had canvas so yep. it was all that period of time was that was me and then my friends also had norma jean included so yeah not particularly i will say though with my history of them i gave in finally and i bought redeemer in 2006 yeah uh, the one with the black crow pecking. Yeah. Someone, I, I didn't like it, Steve. I must admit, I didn't like it. So I was really interested when this came up. So I, I'm going to have my first listen since that, since 2006. Well, Redeemer's the one that Ross Robinson produced. And there's a little bit of a sort of outlier because of Ross Robinson, whatever he does. I think Ross Robinson is either makes bands sound absolutely fucking incredible or he just ruins them. Do you know what I mean? Red <laughs> yeah. Fang and Suicide Silence. Um, some people would say Cancer Bats, not me. But um, I think with I think Redeemer's kind of considered like a a bit of a sort of classic of theirs. But I mean, I think for me, Bless a Mart, A Kiss a Child is brilliant. And then I was a bit like you. It, it wasn't necessarily, the, I wouldn't say it was a Christian thing that put me off. I think it was just the fact that I was aware of Converge and Kalesk and all the C bands, as you rightfully named them. Um, yeah. And botch and botch and all that kind of stuff, and then Norma Jean came out a little bit after that, and they didn't seem quite as uh, experimental or new or exciting or blah 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 blah. And then when Wrongdoers came along, I think you know Corey Brandon, who is the the singer who took over from um, Matey Boy from the Chariot, uh, Josh back in the day, Josh. Yes, his name completely escaped me then. Um, I think he's grown into a really really good vocalist and i think um particularly on polar similar which is actually about a lot of stuff about him being in a in an abusive relationship so it's not actually that preachy if you're talking about the sort of christian stuff um i thought it was fucking amazing i thought the two albums back to back were great i think all hell's good and that brings us to this record death rattle sing for me um it's hard, isn't it? It must be hard to be 20 years as a heavy band when the confines of that sound constrict you to the extent that I think they probably do for a lot of these bands. And for me to listen to, you know, eight Norma Jean albums 
and get a ninth one and go it sounds like norma jean they're quite hard to review these albums i don't know if you felt that way as well paul well i've had as i say i've had the gap um and i don't listen to this sort of stuff uh in fact i think the last metalcore song that i actually liked was ithaca's impulse crush Hmm. so like that was a few years back now and i went so i just thought it just went that song went so hard with all the and i thought it was hilarious and i sort of loved it because it sort of brought back all those early naught feelings for me yeah Um, but going into this like this was the first like stuff like this that i've listened to and the way this album opened up, Steve, I was just like, do you know what? This is some of the chariot sort of stuff. This mm. is this is really like gonna tick all the boxes that I, I do wanna hear right now. Um and it didn't stay that way, but what an opener. What an opener. I was just like, I love this. Yeah, I do I think the thing about this, I mean, so the first one's called nineteen ninety four and it's great. And I think you go Call for Blood, Spearmint Revolt. That opening one, two, three on this record. Um, like, there's a harsh as fuck bit towards the end of Spearmint Revolt where they just let it all kind of... Bl- you, you go, God, you're going to break my speakers, you bastards. Yeah. You're going to actually ruin my speakers because they let it all kind of bleed out and get all really distorted and discordant. And it's just... And it sounds hellishly, hellishly loud. And they do that thing that Norma Jean do. You know, they do weird rhythmic time signatures and big kind of hulky, like you say, screechy metalcore riffs. And I think they've got a great guitar tone. I think Corey's voice is really great. I think he's a good singer as well yep. as being a good screamer. And I think he actually has got a, he's got a, an, an ear for a melody as well. He's got an ear for a kind of earworm and a bit of a hook. And I think, you know, when he does stuff like that like there's a song aria obscura where he's got a really cool kind of lifting vocal part which i really liked as well and when they're doing that even though i'm like i have heard this band do this a lot i can't help but go oh yeah like kind of nod my head and go god this does sound good um but i don't know if familiarity breeds contempt a little bit i mean paul's are i'm kind of getting a sense that maybe that's where you're going with this you're, you're spot on like uh that song you just mentioned aria obscura like i instantly you think oh well this has got a far more wiry sound um which is uh, joining those really crushing guitars and i did love that i just thought oh that's a, a bit of like i don't know post post punk coming in on top of everything that they're doing and i do like them when they're doing all that sort of like let's just add this weird stuff on top uh, or let's break this one down, but just not with a regular breakdown. Let's try and do something a bit more experimental. And I like all those little bits. But I did write in towards the end of that song, uh, in my notes here, I'm just reading, I'm getting annoyed now. To be honest, if I want this singy type stuff mixed in with this brutal metalcore, I'm going to seek out Employed to Serve. Uh, that's my little note there. and And I think that's the issue. I would rather get into a new band that sounded like this um than one that I've got this sort of history which isn't that great with. Like I don't I don't want to dig any further than than this. But I'm I'm gonna ask you, did you find any particular track? Because there's one track for me that I was just like, oh hang on, uh, except the first one. Like I was just like now this is great. Was there anything on here that like really stood out for you? 
There's a few. I mean, like broadly speaking, I quite like this record because it does sound like Norma Jean. So, I mean, I don't know if there's one in particular that you like, but for me, you know, I do think the kind of the first song's great. The first three, I think, is a really good opening. Um, I think there's a song called Any Percent, which has some really cool riffs. I think there's a few really, really cool riffs on it. I think Any Percent's got a really cool, sort of very almost techie riff. Um, I think there's a few kind of slow unnecessary parts i think some of the interlude short stuff that sort of breaks the album up actually just feel like they're filling time a little bit for me so parella and elroy i'm like you don't need that you just kind of you just you just right okay mate parallela for me was apart from that very opener uh that the very opening track and then that as you say when it starts to break up at the end of the either the second or the third one um, like which I thought was even though that's been done before I thought they've done it particularly well uh, as you mentioned it just feels like everything's collapsing around them it's it's an incredible bit of production on that uh, but for this one I saw for Parallela I found like I love the little bits of Depeche Mode that were coming in uh, again just like adding little bits onto what they're already doing um, and there was this scuzzed up vocal bit and there were some wobbly keyboards going on um, and by by me saying that, you're thinking, oh, I'll give that a listen. And then when you listen, it does sound like Norma Jean. It's just these little bits are just like on there, just like just on the surface. It's just it's one minute 40. And I was just like, well, if you're going to do that, because oh, I think, you know, for do me, an album, doing it. Yeah, do an album. But I think, you know, like the, to be fair to them, the last track, Heartache, which is how long is that? It's eight minutes and 13 seconds. Right. And. It does feel like an attempt to maybe not do something new, but at least kind of elongate and add in something a bit more kind of epic. There's like a sort of TV score feel to a bit of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe a sort of Scandinavian TV score kind of feeling like almost like they're about to get attacked, like a kind of pre-jump scare to put it into sort of cinematic. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do love like parts of that. You're right. It's great. Mm. And, um, you know, I never thought I'd see or hear Norma Jean go kind of all like Viking epic with sort of strings and stuff, but they do. And it, and it is good. And I think there is some really good stuff on this, but it does, it, it's basically more Norma Jean. Now for me, that's fine. I mean, it's nothing as a band that I really like. And I had a little kind of, like I say, about 10 years ago, just under ten, eight, nine years ago, I had a, a real kind of, renaissance of being like i hadn't listened to, i listened to them at the start didn't really listen to them re-listened to them went oh my god they're great really got into them and now i think i've plateaued out again and i'm like this is really good and there's a few songs i might go back to from it and i think that so overall i feel like that's that's a, a pretty good net result here's the thing though um you've recently waxed all sort of um lyrical about that new ithaca record mm -hmm. and when you've got something like that that's taken chances and still and and still giving the metalcore fans what they want as well and having such a unique um for that genre end product when you put this up against it this is another norma Jean record whereas that's something special and i think as a band you want everything that you do. You want to at least 
have everything you do to be something special. And I can't see, I'm not, I'm not them, but I can't see how they finish this and just think that's something special. This is going to be the one. I don't, I don't see how they could think that. They probably, I mean, they probably do sort of think that, but I th you've got to be realistic, haven't you? 20 years into a career, ninth album, you yeah. basically play metalcore. Can you write some good metalcore songs? Can you have like, you know, there are about three or four of these songs, four or five even, I'm going to say, that if they, if I go and see Norma Jean live, and I probably would still go, like if Norma Jean come and tour, I would go and see them because I know they're going to play a bunch of stuff that I really, really like. If they chuck four of the songs from this album in and they chuck the right ones in, I've got absolutely no problem with that at all. all right. And so I suppose it's a case of managing your expectations, um, kind of maybe being aware of where your current tastes lie. I mean, look, there are people who just listen to this stuff who are going to hear this and go, it's amazing. It's the best album of the year. I mean, they obviously haven't heard the Ithaca album, but um, it's the second best album of the year. But, you know, and that's fine if that's what they like and that's what they want to listen to. And I suppose it's more for them than it is for people like you and I, or well, certainly you, who doesn't even like Norma Jean. Mm-hmm. But then, then again, I, I like several bands in a in a similar vein, and I will always check out when they release a new record. But I do feel the same about those records as I do with this one. And like you said, you stick a few tracks off it into a set, and yeah, my, I'm happy with that. Especially if they come on and they burst out with this opening track, like I would just be like, I'm I'm here for the rest of your gig. You know, you've you've sold me, like that. That it's just so full of frenzy it was so exciting to hear and and you know what i just thought to myself after that first track i just thought because i listened to the single several times before you sent me it over and i was like oh do you know what this is going to be what i thought what i actually do think it is but when that first song played i was just like oh, fuck me this is amazing what was i thinking so you know they've still got it in them um but I've written here, like, I'm not a convert to the Church of Norma Jean. I don't think I'm going to be listening to this one again. No, I, yeah, I think I might kind of cherry pick a few songs from it and listen to it because I do like Norma Jean. I do like them a lot. But yeah, overall, I think this is like the fourth album. of. So when I got into Wrongdoers, I was like, wow, this is brilliant. And then Polar Simon, I was like, wow, I think this is even better. And then All Hail, I was like, yeah, this is still good, but it's not as good as the other two and i sure. think this is another one of not as good as those other two but maybe that's just timing who knows because it's a decent enough album but anyway it's out now death rattle sing for me by norma jean go and listen to it if you are a fan let's move on to something very very different uh, a couple of weeks ago this came out we knew it was coming out i am denied about whether or not we were going to cover renaissance by beyonce the seventh studio album from the queen of stuff of all things Beyonce. She's Beyonce, isn't she? Uh, the follow-up to 2016's classic at this point. I think we can call it a classic. Lemonade record. Paul, Beyonce. Um, uh, tell me your relationship with Beyonce. Oh, wouldn't that be a story? It would, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tell me. Your... <laughs> yeah, no. Um, only one track in her whole history has really got me going. Uh, and it is Single Ladies Put a Ring on It. Every single... Holiday, every playlist, that will be on there. I love that song to bits. Like the bass line is something else. It really gets me. Just 
Oh, man, I love Crazy that song. in Love. You gotta like Crazy in Love. Sure it's all right. It's, it's, it's all right. It's all right. Come on. It's all right. Do better. It's, How? It's, uh, look, it it's not it's not my bag. Okay. Um, but I I do listen to a lot of stuff similar, uh, and this is the one that I was really looking forward to. And uh, I was in HMV yesterday, and I was looking for a vinyl copy of it. So you know, here we go. Um, I I dug it. Bangers all over the gaff, isn't it? I mean, the opening um, to this. You think the you think the fucking Norma Jean album has got some bangers on it? Jesus Christ! <laughs> I mean, this is. Uh, I, so I'm not sure I've ever fully gone in and listened to a full Beyonce album post her debut. Um, although I did own all the Destiny's Child albums because I do fucking Mate. love Destiny's Child. You're shaking your head. I don't know if you're shaking your head just to go grow up or if you're like, I'm I'm with you. <laughs> no, love it. I love it. Go on. Go on. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but for some reason, the kind of the more diva-ish Beyonce is not always something, that kind of more epic-y diva-ish Beyonce is not something which is always really connected with me particularly. But when we get her saying motherfucker on the first song and this weird electro pulse coming in i was like i think we're going to get something different here i think we're going to get something pretty raw um i'm that girl it's sort of on a suspicious start to quite a mad sounding record i think it kind of starts low doesn't it sort of doesn't doesn't sort of shoot low doesn't sort of shoot powder too early um yeah. but when cozy drops and that dirty baseline gives us something slinky to work with i still feel like we're warming up but i'm starting to get really like this is expertly paced as an opening to a record i think track listing and and the order of it's so incredibly well thought about and precise it's it flows like something that i haven't heard since I, I don't know maybe maybe the 80s and the way as we mentioned earlier prince like just the way he would like curate his track listings it's very special it's so sexually charged it it's something else and like i looked at all the producers on this Stephen. jesus christ there's a lot there's a lot and beyonce has a name in each one so i guess she would have like final say on everything um being beyonce but it sounds so vibrant and slick and dirty at the same. I don't know how the hell this was, this came together, like to get this production to sound so united and when there's so many different people like doing it. But my word, it just sounds like of a piece. It sounds so unique. I think that's the thing. I mean, you get Alien Superstar, which I thought reminded me of something from the last Weekend album. Although I have to say, if it is a direct comparison between the weekend and this Beyonce album. I still think the weekend is slightly better personally. Um but then it happens. Then it really happens for me. It goes into this dreamy synth bit and this kind of eighties soul of Cuff It, which has this Nile Rogers guitar part and oh my God. It's amazing. That was when I was like, this is fucking awesome. And it transitions into this song "Energy" with Beam, who's a sort of who's a, a Jamaican reggae artist. And again, the transition for that into "Break My Soul," which is one of the best songs of the year, 
by fucking anyone. <laughs> anyone. That Show Me Love by Robin S. Sample is just... Oh, fuck that sample. Come on. I love it. Yeah. Did you not I, like? I, do you not think "Break My I, Soul" is amazing? I, I I love the song. I listened to. I found a version without that sample on it, and I've been listening to that instead. I hate that song, man. Hate really? Yeah. You got to show me love. <laughs> I just was like, yes, mate. Not it, having it. That, well, look, it reminded me of the nineties, which <laughs> yeah. is the highest form of art. As far as like, just reminding me of the nineties is the, is the the highest artistic statement anyone can make, frankly. And but I mean, her that that kind of you won't break my soul, you won't break my soul. Like it's it's just so fucking catchy, and the the fucking thump that goes on behind it, and when it comes in, when it just drops for a second, and then booms into that, it's it's fucking genius. It's like. Like I, I don't do drugs and I don't listen to my, I don't go to clubbing, right? And I never really have. But when people say to me, "Oh, when it drops, you get when when you when you you know you you taken an e and you that that and and the build for and the crescendo kind of comes and it drops in a, in a club and everyone goes mental. It's the, the it's like a religious experience. And I'm always like, yeah, 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 yeah. But I was like, I imagine that is what it feels like. I imagine that's as, this song was as close as I could get to feeling that feeling. I think. Uh, so what, you're a fan of this song, I, my my goodness. I absolutely love it. I love it. I think it is such a fucking high bar that even the very very good stuff that comes after it, like Church Girl, is great. I think with that sort of gospel feel, Plastic Off the Sofa, that kind of really. I mean, back in the day, that kind of 90s swing, I didn't really like. But now, just because I um, I like everything from the 90s, <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm quite into it. And Virgo's Groove, I think, are all great. Um, they're not quite as good as Break My Soul, I don't think. But, like, it's still on a... You still, I'm still absolutely there. And then it kind of peaks again by bringing Grace Jones in, Paul. Mate, amazing, amazing. I love Grace Jones, and I, and I don't think she's the best thing about the song. Like, it's amazing. How can I say that? Like, um, I love Warm Leatherette, Nightclub, and Slave to the Rhythm, all that mm -hmm. stuff. Like, I listen to it a lot. But like, thinking she was on the the track listing, saw her name on there, and I was just like, oh yeah. But she's overshadowed, man. Like Beyonce is so on top of her game. Uh, during this song I gave this one like I've been I went through it track by track on these notes here and this one's just got so many stars next to it uh, as well as a couple <laughs> of others on this one it's just so good and um, like I've, I've just mentioned here like I'm now starting to just like listen to the way she sings I don't understand how it's possible to like take so little breath and do what she's doing I'm amazed at that voice so good yeah i mean one thing you cannot fucking deny whether if you're one of those people and i know there'll be some of you sitting here going why are you talking about beyonce why are you why are you just talked about norma jean i do not listen to this to hear you talk about beyonce even you have to admit that beyonce is a, a, a freak when it comes to her vocals she is a freak <laughs> like who the fuck can sing like that and there are so many things on this album like you say when you listen to it and you go jesus christ 
she can fucking that that girl can sing like she's incredible and unlike a say mm, a mariah carey where that's it do you know what i mean i think that's the thing with yeah. some of these arts where you go right okay it's a showcase for their voice or whatever i mean we spoke about the oceans of slumber album a few weeks ago on the podcast and cammy gilbert their vocalist is incredible but the band don't really i didn't feel like the band really helped her out much and it just sort of felt like she was sure. doing all the heavy lifting as good as beyonce is she's not doing all the heavy lifting on her own on this record and that's what's really really impressive about it i think musically like like say it's a real the, the product i mean the production i mean they probably spent 50 kajillion dollars on it didn't they so the production better be good but it is you can hear that money yeah. you can hear that money well i mean i thought the next track um so what did i say i said here we go like virgo's groove i've got like i like the sort of daft punky stuff in it i really mm -hmm. like that um and then we go to move uh, which is the Grace Jonesy one, and I'm like, oh, do you know? And I'm just feeling like this is amazing. But then heated, like it, it was a real big drop down for me. I wasn't into that so much. I think it drops off quite a bit towards the end of the album here. So you got 16 songs over a 62 minute, 14 second runtime. I think the first 10 tracks, it builds to a crescendo, drops down a bit. Everything has been great so far. First 10 tracks, everything's great. I think the last six tracks, you've only really got one truly great song. Are we going to match? Well, now knowing that you don't like samples, or you didn't like that last sample, I'm wondering if you do also like the sample on Summer Resistance, which is, you know, Show Me Love by Donna Summer. I love it. I do yeah. love it. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I think it's very difficult. Again, you know, I mean, to go through the other songs, I think like Thick, talking about dicks, there's a lot. I think it's a bit shit. I think Heated does a little, very little. I think All Up In Your Mind has some quite cool kind of electro stuff that's a little bit more redeeming, but I think it's already, they've done better stuff than that on the record already. I think America has a problem reminding me of Bobby Brown for a bit, and I don't think that's what Beyonce should really be reminding me of um pure honey i think is slightly better just because it's a little bit weirder in it's sort of composition yeah. of stuff i think it's cool but it does end on a high note with summer renaissance and that sample of i feel love by donna summer which is so good like that maroda production sound i think it just sounds so amazing <laughs> that no matter how many times it is sampled it always sounds it's been done to fucking death at this point that's using agreed that, right but it's too good to not just make you go oh it's this again but fuck it how good is it it's so great and it's not it's not being sampled the same way uh, as it has been done other times like she incorporates it into like the, the very backbone of the song without it just being about that um i i don't know how you felt about madonna's hung up like the way that was abba sampled yeah and i know a lot of people had an issue with that it was just way too way too sample Abba heavy yeah yeah it, it was too much i i really rank it i like it yeah but i do i i get that argument you don't really get that as much with this one because it's 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 not exact it, it's it is it but it's not exact and, it, and it's done in a far more uh far more for the song way she does use the vocal hook and melody of the song 
of I Feel Love I'm as well. I'm going with that. Yeah. You sexy motherfucker. Like, that bit is brilliant, right? <laughs> Fucking quality. As I say, it's sexually charged. Like, it's just build up, build up. And then it's like, come shot, come shot, come shot, come shot, come <laughs> shot. We're having a rest. Yeah. And then we're going to end with a big come shot. That's why he is. That's a very um, descriptive way of, of saying this, but I'm delighted I brought you on the show to talk about cum shots. Thank you. Appreciate it. You uh, wouldn't get that with Renfrey. <laughs> well, he probably would, unfortunately. But um, <laughs> uh, look, basically, this is a good album. I thought we were going to get a classic. Halfway through, I was like, it's a fucking classic. But I think it does. I'm, I'm gonna, I won't go as far as to say as it drops off a cliff, but it's certainly, I think, a little bit of not even a little bit, I think a fair bit of strimming this down to, I mean, I think you could stream 15 minutes off of this record and I think it would be absolute, the absolutely perfect pop record. But I think it's not that due to the, again, I'm not going to say falling off a cliff, but the obvious drop in quality post track 10. It's interesting that you say that because I think um, you mentioned that you weren't a fan of Thick, and I was a fan of Thick. Um, but when I have listened, and this was the one I've listened to the most, uh, and I would say that even though there are several bangers that will probably be, be with me for the rest of my life, there's nothing that equals that Janelle Monae's The Way You Make Me Feel song. There's oh, nothing that's original and groundbreaking in that way by utilising something that's gone before even even with summer renaissance it's just it's just a great song i don't think it's a groundbreaking song and i don't think it's something that people will be playing like a lot of her back catalog like for for ever and a day i don't think there's that much on here with that but saying that it's still a banger of an album yeah i think it's got I, like yeah i think that's fair i think it is i was delighted that it was because you know i think lemonade's quite sort of high conceptual and you know she released all the, the the movies and the video for it and stuff and i think you know we've spoken about pop as sort of high-end art and it's funny you mentioned janelle monet actually because i was having a conversation with uh with merlin from x x metal hammer editor and we were talking about the sort of the last 15 years top five kind of big female pop stars you know taylor right. swift beyonce katie perry uh rihanna and um taylor did i say taylor swift yeah, you did, you did. So, who was it then? Katy Perry, Taylor Swift, Rihanna, Beyonce, and Lady Gaga, obviously Lady Gaga. And we were sort of ranking them. And he turned around and he said, he was like, you know, if she was bigger and she wanted to play the game and she was actually interested in just being a pop star, he was like, I would 100% have Janelle Monet. Maybe not top. I think Lady Gaga's a pretty clear winner, really. Um, but he said, I think Janelle Monet is kind of musically, artistically speaking, better than most of those people but she just doesn't but she's not anywhere near as big and yeah it's hard to argue that i think when you when you listen to someone when you listen to janelle monet you hear the difference between what she's doing and i think even you know i mentioned the weekend i think even like the weekend the kind of right. broad conceptual ideas of what he was pulling out on on dawn fm and you know and even when you go back to i spoke about house of balloons and how odd and weird i think that record is while still being really really instantaneous um, I think that Beyonce is great at doing massive pop bangers, massive, huge pop bangers, big kind of divery moments. Is it kind of high end, high art, conceptual pop in the same way as, you know, 
Janelle Monet or like Gaga uh, has done. I, I think she's less successful at doing that. But when she's good, she's fucking brilliant. Can't argue with that. I can't argue with anything that you just said there. It's it's pop for the populace. That's the thing. And I understand why there might be someone that's a regular white act listener going like, why are you um, talking about this one? Because it is pop for the populace. You know, this is... Uh, it isn't underground it's not alternative mm. but i think she's got enough history of dabbling in it and and you know switching the way that popular culture actually listens to music and things like that that she's got to be included in a conversation for like just art like art like gaga will do pop art like i think she's got to be included in that yeah i think so i mean i do enjoy this record but like i say it's a good record it's a good it's sort of what i expect from a pop record like you know the first half is great and is really memorable and the second half it sort of drops off a little bit and then ends with a bang fine um i'll take it i like it if you had to rank it out of 10 paul seven yeah i think seven's fine seven's seven good. Seven yeah renaissance by beyonce you've probably either heard that or have absolutely no interest in it whatsoever let's do one last so what album we just did was pointless right it was pointless no uh i think i the whole this whole thing's pointless to be perfectly <laughs> oh, honest but i know good. you did this big spiel at the start about how important i am i'm not having it i don't think i am at all like <laughs> so yeah the whole thing's pointless um including this god's country by chat pile and my uh, my opinion of it uh this is a debut studio album from the oklahoma based sludge metal band and this has been getting a lot of i'm not going to say hype because I don't think it's been getting a lot of hype, but I have been having a lot of people contacting me, texting me, going, have you listened to Chat Pile? I think you're going to fucking love it. And um, first time I heard this, I've actually texted quite a few of them back, because I listened to this the day, I didn't get sent it in advance, I listened to it the day it came out, um, and I thought it was somewhat melodramatic as a record. But it has massively grown on me. Uh, were you aware of this band, Chatpile, Paul? I was aware of them because of the logo um, and an earlier single or EP. It was purple in colour. Um, and I, I liked it, but I didn't think it was as good as other people were saying it was. So yeah, that's my history with them. And I watched a few YouTube videos back in the day and I wasn't that keen on like the way the singer was approaching his craft should we say right okay now this i think would be something which would be incredibly difficult to if you don't like the singer you ain't gonna like this record is that fair um, I'm, yeah i'm climbing back on board though now i think I'm, I'm always very judgmental from the off it just takes one youtube clip it takes one like two minute listen to a an a side and that's me my judgment done mm. um so i'm really happy that you pop this in the in the pile okay Chat good pile. so um i mean this has got loads of kind of albini big black rape man kind of stuff all over it hasn't it i think you know it's funny 100%. that they've been called a, a sludge metal band because i think they've got that kind of no wave noise rock element to them as well i think it even reminds me of i know you're not meant to mention them anymore but that last daughter's album which obviously was such a it's been such a hugely influential record um, it's all over this all over this that record is all over this all all over this and i think you get the opening song slaughterhouse he's basically crying and moaning over this very 
industrial sounding thing and at first i was like it's sunny out it's lovely it's a nice day i'm not sure i can put myself through this kind of sort of sonic torture um but going back to it i mean i must have listened to this album about 10 times now because i was like i need to make sure i don't want to come on here and be like ah, i just don't really get it i don't really like it and first listen i was i turned it off halfway through on my first listen i was like nah and i'm just not feeling this i'm just not going to get into it and then the second time i was like oh you know it's all right and the third time i was like i mean they are quite good maybe it's just my t- i just don't fancy this at the moment but at this point i think it's fucking brilliant and i love it that well that's, that's good news yeah like, I'm, I'm happy because I, exactly the same as you, struggled with the weather and listening to this record. It's not a summer record. Like, you put Beyonce on um, and the the world of difference. Like, this this is not for the uninitiated of that sound as well. You can't just go into this raw from listening to, to whatever. You know, you've got to have the experience of mm. Big Black and Unsane and all those old Amret bands. You know, even like the Melvins, you need to know this sort of stuff before going in to understand where it's coming from. But you mentioned Slaughterhouse with the crying stuff. Um, it didn't hurt corn, you know. Um, no. if you, if, so, you know, it's it's a choice for sure, but I don't think it hurts the record doing that. But you've got you've to gotta get on board with it quick. You've got to get on board with it quick. I mean, yeah, it didn't hurt corn. Corn also, you know, covered Word Up by Cameo as well so i think that you know yeah. that probably <laughs> is more down to the success of uh that band than than just you know crying but um but yeah but you know like yeah it's a good point and i think but you're straight in aren't you and like you say all of those things all of those kind of um yeah the amphetamine records era stuff the unsane's the you know the gluey porch treatment era melvin's the um you know and, and even things that are, are probably I mean, there's a song on it called Anywhere, which I think sounds like Sonic Youth meets Girls Against Boys. And it might be kind of (laughs) washing machine era Sonic Youth deliberately trying to fuck your brain up with noise than, you know, than the sort of goo or or, or dirty. But, um, you know, with Girls Against Boys, you've got a kind of almost sort of sexy slinky thing but i think again the vocals are so fucking untamed untamed on this record wild the, you're just like you, you, you're never gonna you're never ever gonna get close to singing along to this at all <laughs> no. well you would say that one of the videos that i watched on youtube like uh and it, it was um an older song that i didn't recognize uh but yeah there was people singing along in the audience so that's a weird thing but like that song anywhere is one of my favorites off here and i thought also a little bit like again to do a more indie sort of reference i thought it was a bit of future islands in his vocal approach as well like when he sort of tried to sing like so there is all sorts of little elements from other bands coming in here but you know it's by the time you're there, like you're not even halfway through, I don't think, and it's and it's a slot, it's a slaughter going on in your head. It's a slog of an album. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, you know, 
for an album which is so dense and so harsh and so brutal sounding and it is harsh and dense and brutal sounding um you know i like i like the bits where it gives you i mean it never really gives you a it never really gives you a break but there are bits that are more intense than others i mean i think the kind of post-punk start to pamela is great um and it just sort of eases off slightly um and it's a bit it got a kind of bit of a god flesh feel to it i think as well like it's got that so real sort of, of yeah. god fleshy industrial sounding thing um and uh tropical beaches ink sounds a bit like unsane i think you mentioned unsane i think they unsane do that kind of 70s car chase song i think you remember converge on that last record um there was one song that sounded a bit like it was like 70s cop show hardcore yes! done oh, via man, sort of 70s one, cop boy. show and um and they've got a little bit like it sounds a little bit like that and you're like oh that's something kind of approaching a tune on here but it is really just you know the wicked papa dance is just fucking grinding and it's tense and it's like swans at their most horrible and then you know i don't care if i burn is like it's just a spoken unsettling as fuck like really horrible and it ends with this song called grimace smoking weed jpeg Dude. nearly 10 minutes long with the guy going i don't want to be alive and then just screaming and screaming the names of muppets as well do you know what i mean it's like this is you're a sick little puppy this man is i've got a question for you and i'm sure you've thought about it as well um so that last song grimace smoking weed jpeg is it an art piece or or does he need help like because there's no there's there's no two ways about this it's one or the other like it's either done for art or this guy should have his band members going do you know what let's get you some help i don't know I, I I don't know. I mean, it does sound really, really authentic, um, but then sometimes people just need an outlet to to vent their sort of deepest, darkest frustrations, and he is definitely doing that. He is definitely doing that, but um, but I don't know. Do you kind of? Do you, do you kind of amp it up to the nth degree? I mean, I would imagine that like I, this does not seem like it has been formulated from the mind of somebody who is particularly chuffed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So, I mean, I wouldn't be at all surprised to learn that he has some sort of history of of uh, of mental health issues. Well, but there are little snippets of lines throughout the whole thing that that point in that direction. Mm. Um, but yeah, in my sort of reading about the band as a whole, nothing presents itself as this is an art piece. It's a it's a art project or anything like that. This is just like some regular friends that have got together and are creating the music that they want to create. Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, it's it, and if this is the music they want to create, I mean, I think they they like undoubtedly it is a powerful. It's a very, very powerful, very well put together record. It's deeply unsettling, as we've already sort of discussed. But, you know, um, I wouldn't like to presume 
do you know what i mean you don't want to presume that i'm sure you know from like, like mark commode always says about horror directors and stuff they're the, they're the nicest people and i've always found that people in extreme metal every time i've interviewed somebody from creator or you know like danny filth or something anyone for they always seem to be like the most friendly nicest lovely people like the guys in cannibal sure. corpse i remember they're like so so lovely so maybe this is the th they might be just the sweetest most lovely guys around we don't know but in terms of like it sounds very authentic it sounds very real it's very well put together it is very unsettling it is quite an upsetting record it's certainly like you say even if you are kind of slightly au fait with say like the melvins like if you've got stag and houdini by the melvins and you're like oh cool well or, or you've got like you know dirty by sonic youth and you go oh cool they you know they're sort of referencing those bands i think i'll listen to this you're probably your initial reaction is going to be oh dear i'm not sure about i'm really really not sure about this so i think you do have to go in on you know like i say swans and big black and and daughters although you shouldn't you know don't know people are sort of funny about daughters but um or even lingering note or that kind of thing i think you need to be in on all of that to really get the the most out of this record well i've got i've got two thoughts here the first one i just want to be like big up to him for having like radio friendly unit shifter like jammed into that song the mask like i love that they've done that um i don't know how they got away with it but like once you realize what it is like it's wow okay you've put that song in the mask well done but i would also just like to point out that for those people that when that happened with daughters like they're like they've not got a band to champion i would say yes you have you've got a band to champion now mm. like champion these guys it's a fair point it is a fair point they are um they are a good band they are a good band and it does take you a little while i mean it took me a little while but i, I think i'm i think i'm on board with chat pile now i think they're very fucking good i am i'm interested to see what happens next um i will be listening to this one again uh un unlike norma jean but at the same time i'm just i'm on the i don't know what they are you know i have no idea after listening to this i don't know whether to be scared or impressed hmm yeah, both. I think you'd be both. <laughs> you can legitimately be both. Uh, but it's good. Give it a listen if you don't fancy the Beyonce album. Give it a listen. God's Country by Chat Pile is out now. Right. Okay. Now, um, Paul, let's talk about you and your relationship with horror. Horror and music are the big things in your life, I would be correct in saying, right? Yeah, definitely. Which order switches around all the time. And those two things, I think, intertwine quite beautifully especially when you're into um you know heavy guitar music as well like the they are obvious obvious bedfellows uh just before we get into your picks as the um the what we're calling the kind of the albums that got not necessarily got you into horror but helped to kind of um uh sort of cement your love of both horror and music is that a fair way of putting yeah, it yeah definitely yeah definitely. okay um how would you describe your kind of your thoughts on what makes music and horror films such natural bedfellows image is really important really really important and um i, I would say more than anything like it's image it's from album covers to to the way the band looks when they're on stage like that is so so important to me um and it's the same when watching a film 
uh, how does that film look really important to me um, but also with the the music I like to feel afraid of that music like that's like with chat pile like some of it is really really frightening like are, are you for real like listening to the manix like um on the holy bible like that's horror that is real horror you know this this it's just what is said like how gnarly the riffs can be all sorts of things but it all comes down to the image that's always my very first um my very first thing that i will see and take on board mm. and that leads us very nicely into your first pick from 1980 sort of anyway <laughs> kiss yeah, well you yeah. mentioned kiss your favorite band Man, of all time love kiss favorite band ever um, and I know that a lot of people are going, what? How long is he going to talk about this shit for? And I just want to say that I have been a subscriber to uh, Right Act Patreon for a long time. Only a pound coin or whatever. I did the minimum one on the first week that you started. And my very first thing that I said was, yep, yeah, you can talk about any Kiss record. Still still waiting. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Okay, well, we'll do that. We'll do. I promise you we will do a Kiss record. <laughs> We're going to get Paul on when um, The Elder comes out of uh, wow. The Hat in Broken Records. Then I think that's when you will be you will be called. I'll put the year in horror bat sign up into the sky and call you Excellent. into action. But here we go. We do get a chance to talk about Kiss. I actually talked about Kiss a few weeks ago when they played at Download. And, uh, and I actually very much enjoyed their show. It's the first time that I'd seen them, unbelievably. But Kiss, Unmasked, you've gone for. The eighth studio album from the now unmasked hard rock band first one without the masks well no this wasn't so oh, right, okay they've called themselves unmasked on this record but the the whole joke of it is it's a comic book strip album and at the end they take off their masks and it's their war paint still underneath that's the little joke and even has someone in the corner going ha ha oh. uh, yeah so it's very very witty but <laughs> when i was a toddler i already mentioned um that i was born and raised in australia um the world well my world had gone mad for abba they toured australia in 77 and like australia was just getting over this like looking back now i can't remember at the time because i was too young but looking back now in the history books of music i can see that it started to fizzle out around 1980 and then kiss came over and that's when I was conscious of what was going on around me. I, I think I've written here, I was five or six at the time. And they landed and it was like the Beatles. I shit you not. It was as big as the Beatles. It was massive. You couldn't move uh, from looking at a newspaper, listening to the radio, going to a supermarket. It was on your cereals. They were at the wall hangings everything was kiss everywhere it was insane and of course as a kid that age i'm just like oh my god this is the best thing i hadn't heard a song and they were my favorite band like i'd stopped listening to the the um sesame street tape that i had yeah and i was like i need to listen to kiss so this was this was it, it was my mum please can you get me something and that that was unmasked. Wow, I mean, Kiss and Horror do feel like very very obvious bedfellows, but sort of I guess like how the Hammer Horror 
that you watch from the the 50s or whatever isn't actually that scary these days you sort of wonder you know we it's been said a whole bunch of times but when people were like oh knights in satan's service and people were kiss were considered like right really fucking controversial it does seem mad listening to this album that people would have got that upset about this right it's a it's a pop album um only two of the members of kiss uh play on most of it um like peter chris the drummer wasn't even in the band at the time uh so when they came over to australia they had to announce that they got a new drummer because you can't hide from that fact um when they get off the plane it's not him uh, but until then he wasn't on the album before until then it didn't matter just stick him on the front cover you know that's fine um it's yeah bizarre the way like corporate rock works but i had this hanging on the back of my door of gene simmons and i could articulate his arms and his pose or whatever and i just remember at night time trying to go to sleep and looking at those eyes and that face makeup just being like like you were with that uh, oh what was that film fucking hell ghost watch thank you ghost watch <laughs> just like that I, I was like every night i knew that i had to battle gene simmons to in order to get to sleep it was a difficult couple of months i'll tell you that wow bloody hell yeah i mean i guess it would have been scary back in the day especially for a, a young lad like you but there was you, that's funny isn't it because you actually went out of your way to to find Kiss and then go, got scared about them. Yeah, there was something so attractive about being frightened. Um, and of hunt, it was my first thing of collecting. As soon as I got that first one, mm. like Kiss brought out Kiss cards, so bubblegum trading cards, and it was just like every single like ten cents that I would get, I would go and buy a pack of like Kiss cards. I would go out and look at the streets like for someone chucking ten cents out of a car just so I could, you know, buy a pack of Kiss cards. I was obsessed. And, of course, when you're really young and something gets you in that way, no matter what happens down the line, you've always got that soft spot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, this album, to get into the album just very, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, is that you? Is a good opener? Like, I'm not a massive Kiss fan. I think there's... I love that you listen to it. Brilliant. I listen to it, yeah. I think there's... Um, Shandy's got a little bit of disco nonsense to it. Um, Talk To Me, you can tell there's an Ace Freely song straight away. It just sounds like an Ace Freely song. I think there's a few decent tunes on this record. Naked City, although that does sound a bit like The Police in the middle, which I thought was quite weird. Um, and Tomorrow starts like a Rocky Horror song and then becomes a bit of a just sort of cheesy, sort of, eight, again, 80s theme tune from a TV yeah. show. And I think Two Sides of the Coin is good as well. It's a big old glam rock stomper. It's what I expect sort of from Kiss, but it's perfectly good, this record. It's, it's fine. Not, it's not what the fans expected. They hated it. Like Dynasty, the album before it, put people off with I Was Made For Loving You. Like the fan base was like, what is this for kids now? You get to 1980 and although in Australia they're like the Beatles, in Japan they're like the Beatles, you go over to America, they can't sell out the, the uh, venues any bigger than the Astoria. Like, that's mad. That's This is Kiss. And uh, because of that, they tour so little during that period. Uh, when they get to The Elder, the album that we'll eventually discuss whenever you pull it out of the hat, they don't tour. They, they can't sell shit. They can't do anything. 
like the drop-off was immense but for, for me this album is full of pop bangers like I, Shandy got to number five in Australia and I remember sitting in front of the telly one of my earliest memories uh, that is really crystal clear just waiting we had like the equivalent of top of the pops we had a thing called countdown and there was bands like the police or whatever at the time blondie i remember being on there and this was my very first uh, very first time ever watching music like on telly and actually knowing that this was music it was very strange but it was all about kiss and the video for shandy came on and i was just like beside myself as a kid and it just changed my life completely i was a rock fan from then on wow well there you go unmasked by kiss um big album is it the bit not your favorite kiss album though surely they completely changed month to month like my favorite kiss album it's like they people will slag kiss because they haven't got good tunes it's all image and i'm like that's just bullshit like there's so many great songs that if you just dig a little bit um you'll you'll find them and like they're they're so important to grunge it's not not in question like the melvins nirvana were just obsessed as i was with kiss yeah definitely there you go i'm masked by kiss from 1980 let's move forward for your next four picks we're going to the same year paul 1988 what was going on in 1988 that is so well essential to to your development i did send you how old i was i can't remember now i think i was around 13 um uh, but for this period, I just started reading things like Kerrang, uh, Mega Metal Kerrang was really important to me, uh, Metal Hammer, like was just getting obsessed with reading about music and listening to the latest things. Now there's this shop in London called Shades, and I was way too young still to be going to London. Like imagine that London sounded insane. Like. Just down the road from me is Canterbury. I'd never even gone there. I was like, that is mad. You can't go to a city. You'll be killed. So I didn't do that. But I <laughs> ordered these records from Shades Record Shop. Um, and they're mainly thrash, but not the first one. But they all came out in this really close period together. So we'll talk about Leprosy by Death first, I think. Okay. Um, the second studio album from the the pioneers i mean we had this conversation renfrey and i did a, a writer's review and we discussed whether scream bloody gore was in fact the first death metal record we've also done a, a classic album on morbid angels or it was a madness where we were sort of going back to their demos which kind of predate even that and we were like well is this maybe the first death metal um in your mind paul death are they the first death metal band no no, I don't. I don't think they are. Okay. Um, but oh, there was a oh oh who were they P possessed? possessed? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think they've they've got the the shout. Like if they want to claim it, they can take it. Like possessed. But I'm sure there were like people will say, well, hang on, venom, you know, and things like that. And by all means, you can. Yeah. yeah, right. But um, for me, the first important one was death. And it, talk about image. I mean, I remember seeing before I'd ever heard a note of probably of any death metal ever. I remember seeing this album cover for Leprosy 
even in a world of seeing you know the original appetite for destruction or you know meatloaf albums or i made albums or whatever i remember seeing this album cover and being like that is genuinely fucking unsettling and horrible yeah what what ed repka who painted it was thinking by making it pink i still don't know um and i bought it blind i was like there's a band called death this album's called leprosy yeah this is going to fit nicely <laughs> into my current collection so i i just bought it on a on a whim and when i got it like just looking at that cover i was like oh my good lord i'd never heard the album before it and so i just put this on and do you know do you know what with that production i hadn't heard anything like that either it was so full and it didn't sound like um, a lot of the other thrash albums that i were listening to which quite scrappy like this was just something else it was so exciting so what's the link with horror in this one do you think i mean i suppose it's kind of obvious but for you to articulate it is you know, that's why we're here i suppose open casket born dead yeah. choke on it the song titles the the way that he that chuck formed his growls was so so evil um for me at that time i had not heard anything like it like napalm death came shortly after and it like made me re rethink everything but for for this album was the first time that i had actually like this was august the 12th it came out and i would have got it maybe a, a week or two later so it was just something that was something was so evil putting it on my record player just felt like i was gonna be visited by jesus that night in bed going what are you doing with your life choices young man <laughs> it was it was evil it, and it's still i mean you know like the the world is used to the sound of death metal at this point i think do you know what i mean i think actually mm -hmm. like I, i've said this you know when we were talking about death before i didn't get into them when they were a band at all like i i never paid any attention to death until years later you know years and years later and I don't know if this was the first album I heard. It would have been this or Spiritual Healing, I think. But, like, I, you know, I remember hearing this and just being, this thing and just being, like, even by the standards of the death metal that I'm kind of used to hearing now, there's something just blood-curdling about this. Do you know what I mean? It's not... With death, I always think, I mean, musically, they're fucking amazing. And like you say, the production sounds brilliant and, like, it just all sounds revolting but i always think chuck sounds like where some death metal vocalists sound like they're attacking you i think chuck sounds like he's been attacked or is getting it those screams like Aah! or like he really sounds like something bad is happening to him rather than he's going to do something <laughs> bad to you and I, I fucking i love that about them i think that that is like one of the best things about them that really sets them apart as a band is like you say his screams are horrible horrible you, well you can either do them or you can't and like no one does it quite like him like the, the, and i want to also mention uh, and people might not get this straight away but like i came from just two years before like being obsessed with duran duran prince madonna 
like you name it any any 80s sort of stuff that that had a little twinkling of art in it i was just obsessed with it um and there was like with open casket born dead choke on it you know the the title track they're pop hooks all over this thing um you boil this down and like you can sing along with every single song every chorus you can sing along with this is death leprosy yeah stupid yeah fucking great a great record a great record and 1988 seems to have been quite the uh quite the year for kind of big metal albums because let's move on to your next record which is um a history of a time to come by sabbath which is the debut album from the uk metal band which includes the former judas priest man or is, is he i think he's it? back now is he back I now think. anyway andy yeah. sneep and uh also martin walker who's in skyclad you a fan of into skyclad fuck so excited <laughs> uh when sabbath split and I was like, oh, he's got his own band. I love that voice. It's so weird. And when I heard them, I was like, oh, that's a shame. That's not my bag. Yeah. Um, now, do you know what? I had never listened to this record until you brought it in, Paul. I'd mm. never listened to it before. I know it's a sort of classic, you know, New Wobham or British thrash, like, epic records and stuff but i had right. never actually listened to it from before it is a lot heavier than the new i mean I, I'm, it's not it's not really a new album album really is it? it's not a new album album but it certainly is heavier than all of the british metal with the exception of the kind of like you mentioned the napalm deaths or the, the carcasses from that time um but it feels like legit quite mad at this point because i was like oh you know is it what what's the deal with this record i just, you know i, I want to hear it and i was like oh it's it's fucking mental, this record. It's fucking mental. My very favourite band at the time was Creator. Like, they were everything to me. Uh, Terrible Certainty had landed the year before, and I like I would put on Def Leprosy, and then I'd put on Creator. I'd put on Sabbath, then I would put on Creator. You know, they were just an everyday band for me. Uh, there was something about them that was just like this. Uh, so young, um, and there was just something about it. But they were on the same label, uh, and it was a UK band. I didn't expect the production to be so rough and ready as it is, like, and it took me a little while to get into this one. But when you read the, the lyric booklet uh, on a 12-inch vinyl, and there's pages of stuff about Wiccan uh, exploring witchcraft and stuff like this, and it, it was really eye-opening, and it was my first sort of inkling of folk horror, which is why I included it. It's really important for for me and like oh, I'm interested in like what the UK has to offer uh, here. Um, and I was watching horror films at the time, but this album just seemed to have the lot, the lot. Yeah, it's a really it, it's really good. I mean, I think Walker's voice he reminds me a bit of Paul Bailoff from from Exodus. He's got that mad wild sort of screeching where you just go oh, i don't know what the fuck he's where he's coming from or what he's about to do next and the, you know the, the music's pretty bonkers and they like say rough and ready and the, all the twists and turns the kind of rhythmic stuff that's all over the place and it does also have you know i mean the start of for those who died that's either because i was like is that brian blessed if it's not it's someone <laughs> doing a very good impression of brian blessed right exactly right and that's it like we've over the years i think as metal fans 
we start to really tire of the intro track um and you, you guys have mentioned it on your podcast um like having an intro track is a very delicate matter it's hard to get right mm. and i don't think this one gets it right um <laughs> really, but at no. the time it was just like wow like this is i'm, I'm watching a movie you know it's, it's like this is what's going on here it was so interesting compared to everything else that i already had uh, you can just see even from the artwork again how how someone that's just discovering all this stuff devouring all this music i'm already getting a little bit bored of thrash um and this was just a slightly bit different they didn't fit in yeah it doesn't feel like they would have fit in from i mean certainly like i say as a, as a sort of uk band I, I, I do kind of go i wonder i'm trying to think who else they could have gone on tour with that would have felt like from the uk that would have felt like an exact fit for them no no one like the, there was a big four in the uk um it was onslaught acid rain sabbath and i think reanimator i mm -hmm. think they were the other one um uh, i might be missing someone else and put reanimator in their place but yeah it, it as you can tell just from them band names it was nothing like the american big four um and sabbath just didn't fit with anything like who's who sounds like that now let alone them like it's just fucking weird it is weird and it's got that i mean you said that kind of british folk i mean i guess the wicker man's the obvious sort right. of comparative point where you go like well as a horror film like what is this and i think you can kind of That's draw it. a parallel where you it, i can see how you would listen to that and then go i want a sort of horror equivalent to whatever this weird fucking thing is and then you've got the Wicker Man. Any others? I mean, you probably are much more up on that as a genre than um, me. So, yeah, when when you get to Wicker Man, then you're just like, if you've loved that, you'll, you're like, what else is like it? And there is the Unholy Trilogy, uh, Trinity, which they call it in for, of UK films. And my favourite of it is Blood on Satan's Claw. Uh, I would recommend you go out and watch that. And it's a perfect, perfect sort of match for this album. Uh, it's it's They're so succinct together. Um, so, yeah, Blood on Satan's Claw. Definitely check that one out. I've never seen that before. I'm aware of the name, but I don't think I've ever seen it before. Might check that out. It's, it's a little bit unsettling because of there being like a 17-year-old full frontal right. in there. Um which you know triggering if, if you're if you're going to watch it but it's so devilish it's so evil it's it makes you feel like you're doing something so blasphemous just by watching it love it love it nice okay so there you go history of a time to come by sabbath and go and watch blood and satan's claw as well right i'm gonna do do i do the extreme one next from 1988 or do i do the big the big one let's do let's keep in the kind of more extreme underground realm for sure. a second um Bloodfire death by bathory the fourth studio album from the black metal pioneers the follow-up to their classic under the sign of the black mark record um bathory i mean just how influential were this band back in the day so i had heard about them in mega metal kerrang there was a, a very small piece uh, but it had a whole page photo of them with swords in the woods and i just thought this is so shit look at that 
Look at what they look like. It's <laughs> hilarious. Even 13-year-old or 14 now Paul was like, do you know what? This this is trash. Um, but the reviews came in and the reviews were 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10. And I was like, right, okay. Um, and I was a very big uh, fanzine uh, fiend at that time as well with mm-hmm. the thrash metal underground. And yeah, the, they, they were mentioned all the time. So this is weird, right? I ordered it pre pre release um, from Shades, and it, it took a long time to get there. In that meantime, I got Candlemas Ancient Dreams. I've written them all down. It's great. Guns and Roses, G and R Lies, and that's of course got the Charles Manson cover on it. It does. Um, uh, and then Holy Terror Mind Wars. I've got State of Euphoria in that time with like their horror stuff. So all this stuff while I'm waiting for this bloody records come. And on the same day that it turns up, I get from enslavement to obliteration. Uh, I know. Uh, so, and I'm so blown away by Napalm Death because I've never heard anything. I've just never, what the fuck is going on yeah. here? That, that Bathory took a, a, a little while for me to get into, maybe a few months. Uh, but when it when I did, again, shitty production, like and people will like, be like, like the black metal fiends will be like, what are you, t-? this is perfect production. But it's rough. Um, and it sounds like he's done everything himself. It's, it's an incredible album, front to back. It's so epic. Uh, just from the, the front cover, like, I should have known how epic and grand this thing was going to be. So this has sort of got the the seeds of the genesis, I think, of what would become that kind of Viking metal thing on it, right? Yep. That's like a yeah, big, that's, that's it. a big, big part of it. And I think um, I had not listened to this again. I did a... I've said this a bunch of times on the podcast, but I did a big, in the kind of the, the mid-noughties, I did a big kind of extreme metal trawl for all the stuff that I just had never listened to when I was, you know, in the, the, the new metal years and the grunge years. Like, this stuff, you know, I was fucking eight when this came out, so it would not have been what I was listening to at all. But in the mid-2000s, <laughs> I did a big, like, right, let's listen to all of the fucking massive bands from this sort of era and Bathory were one of the ones where I just went fuck knows fuck knows what I'm meant to think <laughs> of this I haven't got a fucking clue like and it, it, there's a few of them but I was like I oh, I just have absolutely no idea what the fuck's going on here and I think that's like going back to the first one was the one that I remember obviously putting on first because that's considered the most sort of influential groundbreaking one um sure. So I'm not sure I've ever listened to this record all the way through. And I put it on yesterday. And by the end, I was like, this is brilliant. This is fucking brilliant. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because for sort of po-faced black metal, I mean, pace till death when they use the... (laughs) Like you go, I was like, there is somewhere down there. (laughs) There is like the essence of humanity in in this band who other than that do not feel like they are of this world do you know what i mean i listened to this album and i was like this really is one of those ones that as a kid i'd be like what they're monsters they're they're evil spirits or something like it's so arcane and horrible and dirty and 
the guitar tone I think is fucking amazing I mean you talk about the production I think the guitar tone is fucking incredible and shit like the start of Holocaust sounds like a slasher film like considering it's right. also got that kind of epic um, Viking metal thing it also feels like when it the attack is so brutal when it attacks that it's just I think the the seesaw between this kind of spiritual arcane grandiose like thing mixed with the just raw attack of it it's, it's fucking brilliant fucking brilliant I love that you love it I love that you love it I do I, I really I, love this I was worried about putting Sabbath in there just because I thought that sounds weird and Bathory I just thought they've got enough history they've got enough respect within the metal scene that I think you would like that one um, but I didn't know that you would love it. So yeah, that's it's great. brilliant. Uh, it's great. Uh, it feels people that people talk far less these days about uh, Quarthorn than maybe they should do. Do you think because of Jonas Ackerlin's very very brief stint in Bathory, sure. it feels like he's gone on to be ah oh, Bathory's Jonas Ackerlin, but not really, right? Correct. Like Quarthorn was a mystery and like when he would do interviews he would be really not controversial it's the wrong word but he would be really just antagonistic and also nonchalant at the same time like there was uh and of course after i listened to this record i i completely got them standing in the woods holding swords like you know i i like all right okay i get that um but there was an interview that i read and it actually had a picture of him uh, and he was lying on his bed and he was reading a book and he said something like, um, sex is dirty, sex is gross. I just want to read a book. You know? <laughs> and for a spotty oik, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's right. I can't have sex. I'm just going to read books. Uh, and yeah, like he, he was speaking to me on every level, but it was that sort of interview quip that would stick with you where you got on the same page, you turn it over and Motley Crue were going, oh yeah, I banged 20 chicks. Uh, and you know and then I beat one up like that's not what I as a kid I wanted to listen to I wanted to like oh man this guy's reading books you know Whoa, imagine that books yeah yeah it's good and I mean again the album cover I've got I've just got the album cover up here on full size so I could properly look at it and you know it's one of those beautiful painted I mean it it's it's fucking like again you know you you look at that and you go well this is this is going to be a wild ride it's a great painting. Peter Nikolai Arbo. Uh, and I was like, how do you pronounce Arbo? So I looked it up and it's Arbo. So fair enough. All right. Um, but yeah, like he painted it. It's called The Wild Hunt for Odin. And yeah, I mean, how metal is that cover? So it's metal. crazy. So metal. So there you go. Bloodfire Death by Bathory is an album which I would highly recommend to you. Let's go on to the last pick from 1988 um <laughs> saving the best to last some would say seventh son of a seventh son by iron maiden the seventh studio album from the Nuwabam legends the one where they went prog paul uh what's the deal with maiden they're not scary are they no no they're not it's all about Derek riggs's artwork um there is something quite magical about it i can tell you that my first uh albums that i ever bought with money that i'd actually work for just a couple of years earlier same day i got number of the beast and i got 
uh, Motorhead's, oh, what the hell, Orgasmatron, right? Because they were both nice price Mm. in our price. uh, So I could get two. Um, And I was just obsessed with looking at the cover as much as I was listening to the music. And yeah, it's, it's, again, just the mystical vibe of this. I wasn't bothered by the prog sort of direction that I'd started going through on this album. Like, this is really the start of all that stuff. Didn't mind it. I'd thought the clairvoyant was all right, and like all, all my metal friends were like, oh, it's the best song that they've ever done. And so I thought, well, it's all okay. But like, the, the whole concept of it, um, and it's a loose concept at that, and the artwork, it just sparked my imagination. It's more of a fantasy than a horror. To me, it feels like this record. Yeah, that and that's fair enough. But fantasy plays a big part in uh, in my viewing. Like I was watching Conan as much as I was watching um, Reanimator. You know, it, it 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 was a big part of it. And I love love it when those films bleed into each other. And I love it when the music bleeds into each other. But there's you can't deny that Eddie as a character is a horror character. He's just being put into the, all this sci-fi weirdness, and now. Like even looking at this cover for Seventh Son, I would say it's like loads of it's really psychedelic in flavour. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Jefferson Airplane put that out in the the sixties. You know, it's just it's just odd to look at. And if you had the the gatefold vinyl or the cassette tape, and I have both, and you could just pull it out and look at that whole artwork of it, like it's it's lovely. It's so so Moorish. Mm. They do do good artwork. To be fair, I, or, uh, they did. They did. I put think that, put that on the next yeah, Iron Maiden documentary. I, I think you know, like they did do good artwork. I think when you get to shit like Dance of the Dead and My Way, Dance of Death, Dance of yeah. Death, and I mean, even really, uh, you know, the uh, we we've we've done Virtual Eleven on Broken Records, but even kind of going forward onto that, I think when you look at the, the albums, the Final Frontier, even Sinjutsu, it's just a black picture with Eddie dressed as a samurai like whatever it's not great really but I do think you know the 80s maiden yeah undoubtedly art wise artwork wise look fucking really really cool which made it all the more depressing and disappointing when you actually put the records on and you're like why is that guy going for nine minutes but you know I've spoken about Iron Maiden quite a lot this record though this record I mean You've got stuff here like Infinite Dreams and The Prophecy, which, you know, are fairly nice sounding. But it also, I mean, Evil the Men Do is great, I think. Right, like, that's yes. a great song. Banger. Can I Play Madness, you know, is with Graham Chapman in the video. That's, I guess, a kind of Horace-esque video, isn't it? Of course. Yeah, of course I mean, it is. Not a ex- particularly serious one, but... If you think Doctor Who gets a bit too horror, then you are... Banging with Iron Maiden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, only the Good Die Young and the Clairvoyant. I like all those songs. I actually think they're all really good. They're all really good. Not sure the title track needs to be quite as long as it is, <laughs> to be honest. Hey, I've, I have I have a long, long relationship with this album and I've listened to it so much, I can't even tell if it's good or bad. I, You know, there's certain albums that you're just like, hmm. I don't know anymore. I hmm. don't know. Is it your favourite Maiden album? No, no, it's not. Okay. Um, and, uh, right, okay, so 
it's got to be number of the beast and it's not because of um any reason like nostalgia or anything like that um i regularly go back to this one and i just think all of the songs including invaders Fucking all of the songs <laughs> I, I love i love it back to front and i will listen to it now love it you like invaders i love invaders Do you really? i don't like him i love invaders bloody hell look at this guy invaders it's rubbish invaders is absolutely rubbish anyway look i'm not going to bring you on here and just slag off your taste paul i kept my fucking hell. i kept my mouth shut during kiss actually quite i i like kiss more than i like iron maiden i'll tell you that for free definitely um seventh son of the seventh son yeah you know a, a six out of ten album with a good album cover definitely i'm happy i'm happy to say that fine eight out of ten correct what did you say eight out of ten yeah yeah that's exactly what i said okay uh your last pick we fast forward quite far into the future at this point don't we so we've gone from 1988 all the way forward to 2015 when you were as you said in your notes to me 40 or 41 yeah um what happened in those barren years grunge (laughs) Uh, out of the grunge years they were uh, no lo- lots and lots of stories and loads of like great stuff happened in that time but when we're dealing with horror um i i don't want to talk about like you know real life heroin horror or anything like that i want to talk about like that sort of fun shit that i'm into and this album this is when it picks up again mm. did you like that i mean you know people who listen to go and listen to your podcast will know more but that kind of period that kind of post 80s horror slasher kind of video nasty boom that then turned into the you know the the meta uh ironic sort of slacker you know yeah scream etc thing in horror which i get then turned into a kind of torture porn thing does that feel like as golden an age in horror as... I mean, the golden age of horror is the golden age of horror. And I think you picked a bunch of albums from that period and then had to move forward. So if I if I was being a detective, I would assume that you thought not just grunge, but maybe horror as a genre itself doesn't hold the same level of... Or in those... You didn't have the same level of reverence for it as maybe you would have done in the 80s? 100%. Um, a very good sleuthing there very good sleuthing but yeah um the the issue i've got with the 90s is the ones that i went to the cinema to see weren't always that great um now i'm doing the podcast and i'm actually digging of course there are hundreds of films that came out that are bangers but they just didn't get the big releases um but saying that i think the first the whole Drew Barrymore bit in Scream, that first like 15 minutes, mm. is the best thing that's ever been in front of my eyes. I, I love it to bits. Yeah, I'll great. watch it again and again. Yeah, I do like it. So anyway, let's get forward to 2015. Behemoth by Ghost, not the Swedish band, the second full-length album from the US-based synthwave producer. This was a time just before I discovered the charms of the Carpenter Brutes and the Perturbators of this world. Um, that this record came out and as such I didn't listen to this record at the time but I have gone on to listen to I mean I actually reviewed the last Ghost album for uh, for Metal Hammer and I think it's great but why this record? Well first of all I want to say 
I've always called Ghost Ghost. Uh, and I did to the guy's face. Uh, mm-hmm. And he went, it's Ghost. Which was uh, interesting. And I was like really gutted. And I just fanboyed uh, <laughs> and made a real big dick of myself. Uh, but yeah, um, that's... Uh, I don't know where to even begin with this record. So uh, there was an article on Pitchfork and it said that this is a synth album that is more metal than metal. Uh, And I was just like, like, wow, okay. Um, And I listened on Spotify and I became just addicted, tracked down a vinyl copy, uh, which was way too expensive. Um, And it's just the one thing that I come back to since its release, the one thing that I always will come back to it's never too far off the turntable it's just it's that important to me yes yeah, great record I mean do you wish that I, that I kind of predicted that this synth wave dark wave thing was going to become like a big deal and it's not really happened like Carpenter Brute's done pretty well people know Perth mm-hmm. better is I think Ghost is also sort of bubbling under a little bit as well and there's a few others but it's not really happened in the same way as i predicted it might have been do you kind of wish it had blown up not at all I, i'm i'm i love an underground thing to remain an underground thing uh don't get me wrong i love it when like your favorite band will become a huge and band and everyone's favorite band i love that too like got no problem with it but there's that thing where you're into something and it's limited to the amount of people that know about it like i'll walk around in my uh, ghost hoodie and um people will be like what's that you know what what is that they they won't know and i love that feeling um i but you're right it's a shame because there are so many other cool bands within this genre that people are obsessed with and like when i go on spotify i'm like how have you only got ten thousand plays like it, it's weird i don't i don't get it but you know uh, it's a small but very very productive and thriving scene it is it's very good there's a load of great stuff from it and i think um the the john carpenter influence on all of it is where you go i mean you can say like oh it's very metal but i think it's actually the influence of john carpenter's work on that whole scene that mixed with that very kind of pumping danceable quite kind of high energy metally thing that makes this yep. sound great i think I, th- I also think if you're into something like Rob Zombie, uh, mm. you know, and stuff like that has got a bouncing beat to it, it's not too much of a jump to, like, put Behemoth on by Ghost or Ghost, and then you're like, oh, do you know what? I'm fucking loving this. Like, Pitchfork were right when they said that it's really metal in another way that's just not full of guitars. It's, it's weird. It's a weird and exciting listen i think and still today even though like some of the beats now you think oh do you know what that's a little bit dated and of course with dance music it dance really dates really quick but at the same time there's some of the songs rain in hell master um like these are just bangers i put them on and i'm just like like you mentioned earlier like i don't go to clubs i don't do drugs but if i did this is what i'd be wanting to like but going bang 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 yeah yeah, I mean, Master's amazing. That is like a jump scare. That is like a kill. That is like a like. This is the one where I look at it and I go, "This is the one that." Although Sabbath is directly influencing horror 
and I can of course see the link with Iron Maiden and fantasy and horror and I can hear that kind of thing in Bathory as well definitely this is the one that I go well this directly sounds like horror film scores I mean you've got like I say that kind of the sound of a kill in Master Nightcrawler has that kind of exploitation cinema early 80s New York Uh, there's a bit where it almost slows down to the point where you're like oh it's almost like he's you know stopping in his tracks a little bit you can imagine this like that just being called Nightcrawler and for music with no vocals for the most part it's very very kind of um evocative of the thing that i think that it's trying to do i mean you mentioned rain in hell the bass in that is so fucking heavy who wouldn't love a song called bathory bitch <laughs> right i know right and then you've got a kind of you got that sort of italian cinema thing in sacrament as well i thought that i really like yeah you're spot on mm. like good spot because yeah there is a lot of influences that i weren't aware of at the time when this came out that I am very well aware of now, I've started doing the podcast, that are all over this album. I keep discovering new things, uh, which which is really exciting. Like this guy uh, just knows his stuff, like so clever. I remember when Zilwanada, um, uh, like mixed those genres together for the first time and how clever and exciting I thought that was, that um, it hadn't been done before. And for me, this was like ground zero for this sort of thing as well for me. I know there was stuff before it and John Carpenter had been doing it since the 70s. But for me, like this was like day dot for me discovering Synthwave and all that it can bring. It's a very good record. Very creepy. And I do like him. It's weird that I'd never actually listened to this record before because, like I said, I've listened to the last couple and I I still have a little bit of a soft spot for... I'm not, you know, I'm not a massive at this point. Like I'm not a massive like fan i don't sort of consume everything to do with synthwave but when it comes along and it's great like i mean that last carpenter brute album oh so fucking it's good great. so fucking good um so anyway there you go behemoth by ghost is your last pick and uh thank you very much paul oh, before we go, go i just got a little story about this one yeah go on that's all right yeah, yeah. so uh, ohms were on tour uh we were with this fucking horrible band called a pale a pale horse named death isn't that is mate all- from type of negative yeah, yeah. Right. Matey boy from Typo Negative. Prima Donna bullshit tossers. Right. They were just like, they wouldn't let us set up anywhere near the stage, which would touch, the potentially touch their beautiful drum kit. And, you know, it was just like, you can't be from Typo Negative. But there we go. Anyway, so we were on tour with them and we played Dublin. And across, we had to finish early because it was Ghost opening up for Mayhem. Uh, and like, right the promoter was doing both and he's like here goes some tickets and it's like yes so went in and i huge goss fan huge fan and i'm just like this is amazing i'll get to see him finally and it was it was everything i wanted it to be and then we stayed for the beginning uh, of mayhem uh, which again i'm not really a big mayhem fan but the fans hated hated ghost didn't weren't receptive at all there was like a handful of us down at the front um, and that was it. And I've never seen that sort of disdain in an audience before. I've heard about it, read about it, but never been there and actually seen it. And I was really surprised at sort of how they weren't willing to give an inch. So yeah, that's my final thought on it. Very strange to be in that, to be in that atmosphere where no one gives a shit. Mm. It's crazy. I'm very surprised to learn that you're saying that black metal fans are somewhat narrow-minded, Paul. This is news to me. <laughs> 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I end with that bombshell, eh? <laughs> yeah, let's end with that bombshell. Dude, thanks very much for coming on. Really, really appreciated. Good picks. A little um, insight into your listening and watching habits. And if you'd like more, as I mentioned, go over and find Paul's podcast, A Year in Horror. Uh, how many episodes have you done at this point, Paul? Is it good? Um, I'm on episode 100 right now, uh, but we've actually only released 80. So I work that far ahead. Bloody hell. Uh, yeah, cool. be aware. Like a dream to me. I mean, we're recording the day before this comes out. Fucking, <laughs> You're nuts. Absolute nuts. I understand it's like a, a magazine show and you've got to do that. But my word, like having like two days to... to get all this stuff ready you guys you're fucking legends honestly thank you so much for inviting me i've loved it loved no it. worries mate it's been great like i say go and check out paul's podcast a year in horror also get ready for the new homes album the old duran duran i hate god mashup that i am demand that it must be <laughs> at this point <laughs> um, um yeah i'm sure you'll get it yeah good so uh yeah rot is coming out in 2023 is it yeah, uh, March 2023. It's meant to be out now. I'm meant to be on tour in Europe now, but because of COVID, we all got it at the wrong times and we missed so many deadlines. So that's why I'm doing this today and I'm not in Europe is because the album's not coming out for a bloody six more months. Oh, dearie me. All right, well, look, you know, be a little bit of patience never hurt anyone. So thanks very much. We should say also a big thank you to our friends over at ArcTangent, arctangent.co.uk forward slash tickets. Get your ticket. You need to get your bloody ticket quickly. Um, and put in the code RIGHTACTATG, you'll get 10% off that ticket, which you should, really, you should really have that by now. But thanks very much for them. Looking forward to that. And it's going to be sunny at that festival as well. There you go. You heard it here first. Um, we'll be back next week. Well, I say we will. I will be back next week. I mean, I'm sure we'll get Paul on at a later date as well sometime because, you know, you've made a very impressive debut here, Paul. So thank you very much. But... Uh, in the meantime, we'll see you then. I don't know what we're reviewing next week. I don't know what's going on. Don't ask me what's going on. Um, but thanks very much for listening. See you soon. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>